1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to a very special episode of the Catholic Talk Show. We've been talking about Father John Tetlow for a long time, and it's time to reveal his actual identity.
2: Yes, <laughs> that's right. Father Tetlow, he is the pastor, rector of the Cathedral Basilica of St. Augustine, and he's been instrumental in actually allowing this show to happen, and we're going to share that story with you today. And on top of that, he was the vocations director
0: of Ryan Delacrosse and yours truly. So let's get this thing started. Yeah, we're spilling the
2: tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Father John, nice to have you on our yeah, show. Man. Yeah. And We've just, been
0: looking forward to this, man.
1: You, and it's, it's great because you've got a lot of exciting things going on in your priesthood with the, the Cathedral Basilica of St. Augustine. We've got... You know, patrons that are showing up to to this uh, cathedral soon. So
2: yeah, It'll we've be exciting. Been, yeah, we've. I think we've probably talked about him more than anybody besides saints or our Father Lord Mike and Mike Schmitz. So I mean, you're one tier well, below I'm Schmitz to cousin. us, right? And <laughs> and you know, we're gonna we're, we're hoping this is a celebration. Yeah, you know, this is a celebration know, because we
0: thought. have we have you know talked about you since the very beginning. We've given you so many shout outs. And you know, people have asked, like, who is this father Tetlow? He is the man, the myth, and the legend. And to be able to bring you on and just share your vocational story. He's our Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, you are the Obi-Wan Kenobi of the priesthood. How
3: about Yoda? (laughs) As (laughs) you get older, that's probably probably what you'll turn (laughs) into. You're a little
0: you're a little big you're a little big for a Yoda right now. Maybe when you're eighty five. But you know we hope to we hope to trace your footsteps and what you experienced in your early priesthood you know, as a youth director for the diocese Mm -hmm. and then the vocations director for the diocese, being a pastor of three very, very large communities and now the cathedral rector, you know, being the designee of the the bishop, you know, to lead the whole diocese in a respect at the principal church, the first parish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why you think that you're here. Mm. That's why you think you're here. (laughs) But you're really here to be roasted.
2: (laughs)
1: I got you.
3: That's beautiful. Yeah, now I can be myself. <laughs> uh,
2: you were getting a little bit too serious. Yes, yes. <laughs> We are not going to be roasted, but you know what? It is a celebration to yes. have you on, and yeah. really, we've been wanting to have you on for a long time. And you know, I've heard the fruits <laughs> of your priesthood through these guys, through the work that we're doing, and through all the other work you've done in your priesthood. And it's a really interesting story from from where you started out in life, where you were born your journey over to here to America, your journey to the priesthood. So this is going to be a great episode. It is. Um, It is.
0: And we we love you, man. You mean a lot to us. And we want to share how much you mean to us, to our audience, and our our family online.
2: Yeah.
3: All right, I'm already getting emotional. I've
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> got confetti in my it.
1: water. No, I was just thinking I, the same thing. I went to cover I got of one piece of our drinks. <laughs> did
0: you really I do have one large piece of confetti right this. there? I'm going to drink just the whole thing of confetti. <laughs> I, <hit> that one.
3: <laughs> I must admit, though, I have been waiting to come on this show. It's been a—I've I've said to Father Richard many times— um, when are you gonna get me on the show? You know? Because I kinda like things like this.
1: Well, um, we needed time to introduce you on yeah. the show over time to create that. We gotta build that, up the mythology I like. The it. Mythology <laughs> of
3: and I am a mythical man. By, the, creature, years, really. by <laughs> the years and by experience.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we were talking, we went out to dinner uh, two nights ago, and it was really great to you know sit down and have a great meal with you and um, you are telling me a little bit about, you know, where you were born, where, how your family came over here, some of the tragedy um, from the Second World War mm, yeah. that led you to, you know, Florida here. So yeah. why don't you share that with our listeners?
3: Okay. Um, my mother and father uh, grew up in World War II. My mother was a lot younger than my dad. Um, but she had lost um, three or four relatives in the, war, in the, in the World War. Um, the number one was her mother. In
0: the bombing raids.
3: Yeah, in the bombing raids. Yeah. And her, yeah, her
0: youth was in the bomb shelters. <clears throat> she was in the
3: bomb shelters every night because she lived in Manchester, and they were bombed every night. But her mother was 27 years old when her mother died, and she was seven. So that was a beginning for her, and, and um, her family was separated. And long story short, though, she did very, very well. She was a very devout and amazing woman. And But she said to my father, you know, right before they got married, you know, one condition, um, I want to raise my kids in the United States. Because mm. she didn't want her children to go through what she'd been through. Yeah,
1: she had some trauma.
3: And nobody, nobody knew what the future laid out. Sure. sure. Yeah. So they came here and— um,
0: Now, you were on the last voyage of one of the most important ships in the history of the world— and its its relationship to a Titanic of a ship. Yeah. What was that? What was that experience like? And what ship was that? It was
3: called the Britannica. It was called the Britannica, and it was the sister ship to the Queen Elizabeth and the Queen Mary. They built all three of them, uh, you know, about six months apart. Um, but it was a, that was an interesting experience because we came over in 1959. How old were you then? I was six. Okay. No, five. I was five years old, and um, they had taken they had taken all the paintings off the walls. I mean, they'd stripped the thing because when they got to New York, they were scrapping it. Mm. So we were on the very last voyage. Mm. So you can imagine what the ship looked like inside. <laughs> and um, but I loved it. I was you know I was five years old. I was running all around the boat yeah. and having a good time. And I, then I made up my mind one time that I was going to get out on the deck because I wanted to see the storms, and it was really storming. Mm. So one night I left the room and um, where I was staying with my mom and dad, and I went out on I got out on the deck somehow. I got the door open, and I walked out on the deck, and the wind hit me, and I started rolling down the deck. And um, luckily, this this uh, deckhand had seen me come out of the door, and he was at the other end of the boat, and he ran. started running, running, and um, right as I was going to roll over, he grabbed my foot. So that was my first real experience of God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, God saving me in that moment. You know, I would have become fish food.
0: What, what I always say about Father Tetlow is that he's like a cat man. He's got nine lives. Nine. This guy's always—he's had so many near-death experiences.
3: Death is his
2: middle name. Yeah, and he just yeah. like skirts him. Nine lives, Tetlow. <laughs> he's, like <laughs> he's like Bruce Willis, man. Die hard. So,
3: but anyway, that was, that's how we got started. We moved to Connecticut first, and then my father was offered a job in Florida. We came down here when I was 10. Been here ever since. And it's been a wonderful life down here. And, uh, you know, there's a long story in the middle of that. You know, if, if any of you ever want to hear about it, I'll send out a long letter <laughs> because we can't tell it here. It's too, too much stuff. But it, it's, been a great, it's been a great experience, and um, I got my calling. Um, of course, in this country. It started around when I was 10, and then really started getting very powerful when I was 19. And that's when I knew God was calling me to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those people, um, I didn't discern, I, you know, I just knew it was meant to be. And I was kind of like, it's the gospel message. Anybody puts their hands to the plow and looks backward, it's not fit for the kingdom. And I've always put my hands to the plow and move forward, mm-hmm. you know. And um, but a great life
0: and moving forward you you came you know as a, as a diocesan seminarian you were sent up to one of the most beautiful seminaries where where You know, young men go to study and be prepared for priesthood. The one of the most beautiful seminaries in the country in St. Meinrad in Indiana. Right. And you actually studied there for the duration of your whole formation, undergrad and graduate studies. You were the president of your the student body for a number of years. Four. Yeah, and and I mean, it was just you know, you're the legends of John Tetlow at. St. Mynrad still echo in the hallways. uh,
3: (laughs) Well, I tell you what, keep the compliments coming because I'm kind of enjoying it. But, you know, everything's not always as perfect as it sounds, but it was a beautiful, I loved, I was one of those guys that liked being in the seminary, you know? And, um, you know, a hard
0: worker. you were a hard worker. Oh, well,
3: I I worked all the way through until I- Till I went in the seminary, I didn't go in the seminary till I was twenty-four.
0: Yeah, because mm-hmm. your your dad your dad died pretty when dad you were young. I passed
3: away, and I had little brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and I basically stayed with, stayed at home until my next brother got to be sixteen. And then my mother said to me one day, who I'd never told her I was interested in the seminary because I didn't want her to feel bad, but because I, cause I wanted, needed to help her. But she she looked at me one day and goes, "It's time for you to go to the seminary." Mm-hmm. Wow. And I'm like, how did you find out about that? Mm-hmm. But she knew. Mm-hmm. So 24 is when I started. And, and you I got, were the oldest child. I'll, yeah, by eight years. Okay. So, but when I went in the seminary, my next, Michael was 16, Bernadette was 13, and Paul was 11. But they were, my mother was ready to, she goes, you need to go do what you need to do. So that was beautiful. And, and um, my little brother, Michael, went in the seminary for four years. And we, we kind of hung out together. That was nice. But um, it's just been, it's been a wonderful walk. It's been a wonderful walk with God. And, um, and as I was telling somebody the other day, you know, when, you're, when you feel alive and you feel like God is will, with you, it keeps you young mm-hmm. and it keeps you vital.
0: Now, for, there's a number of young men out there on that's in the family of the Catholic talk show that uh, are discerning priesthood. So we want to give a, a shout out to you out there. If you are discerning priesthood, um, you know, first and foremost, you know, know of our prayers. And for everybody out there, we've got to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and vocations in the church. You know, one of one of your jobs was being a vocations mm-hmm. director and being a youth director yeah. and fostering that sense of vocations among the young absolutely. you know as as a newly ordained priest giving this given this role and responsibility at diocesan executive level and and having that position for many years you know, what was that position like for you? And how did you approach that job? Because you clearly were a hard worker, you took care of your mom after your dad died at a very young age, you took care of your siblings, and you really still look out for your, mm-hmm. your siblings, uh, in such a remarkable way. You charged at this job, you know, and, and you had the office for a number of years. What was your approach? And how did you? Uh, how did you fall into that position?
3: Well, I was uh, six months after I was ordained, the bishop came up to me, Bishop John Snyder, and he goes, I'd like you to be the director of youth ministry for the diocese. I'm like, well, I really don't have a lot of experience. He says, you'll figure it out. So that's the way we did things back in those <laughs> days. We just figured them out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and prayed, you know. But um, that was a beautiful—I did that for 11 years. And when that was up, I, I was—he asked me to be the vocations director— And I was vocations director for twelve years, and really, both of those positions together, like four, you know, back to back.
0: Because it seems like they go hand in hand. They do.
3: They do. And and um, we had a lot of vocations back then coming out of our youth groups, (laughs) and um, and the 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 high point of my youth ministry position after those years was World Youth Day in nineteen ninety three. With Pope John Paul II mm. in, Denver. In, in Denver, yeah, and mm. we took, um, we were able to take 900 kids out there. Wow! And I made a deal with them. I'm like, if you're willing to take buses and not fly, we can stay in a nice hotel when we get out there instead <laughs> of staying in tents. So they're like, all right. So we took 14 buses.
2: Wow. Out there. That is epic. You know that the World Youth Day in 1993 in Colorado, it, the reverberations of yeah. that through the priesthood mm-hmm. and through the spiritual life in the United States has nice. been immense. Oh yeah. You know I how mean, many how even, many priests were inspired by that? How many yeah. priests went to the priesthood because of that? Mm-hmm. You know.
3: Well, I had 20 of our priests in the diocese come with me um, on that trip mm-hmm. to be chaperones.
2: Yeah.
0: That is an amazing. Like accident? Ambi- yeah. <laughs> An and like just how ambitious, you know, like how ambitious as a young priest to, you know, get this approved with the bishop saying, yeah. Hey, we're bringing close to a thousand teenagers oh, yeah. on buses
2: <laughs> to Colorado.
0: Yeah. And this is
2: a good idea. Dude, I don't want to take my kids to Colorado <laughs> in a car.
3: Get your Wait, it was a one, and that back in those days, it was a one point four million dollar enterprise. That's yeah. how much it cost to take all those kids out there. So did but you? We charged them three hundred eighty five dollars a piece. Yeah, and we came up a little short, but not
0: much. Hey, man, that's that's great. So did you actually have to ride in the bus with these teenagers all the way to Colorado?
3: Well, I had a brother. <laughs> Michael. Oh, so you delegated your brother. Well, Michael. So what,
0: how did you get to Colorado? Uh,
3: I act well. I wanted to class. get there. Get a, I wasn't flying first class in (laughs) But you were flying. In
1: those days, days, I wasn't flying first class. No, but
3: I told Michael, I said, look, I've got to get out there and get everything set up.
2: (laughs) That's a good argument. So would you be willing to take
3: the buses? If you do, it's free for you and for your future wife. (laughs) And free route, everything, he goes, all right, I'll do it. Oh,
0: man. And Michael was a commanding guy. He was like six foot six. But then
3: one night, the, the second night, the um, four of the buses broke down. Oh, no. So he gets me on the phone at three o'clock in the morning. He goes, don't tell me you're asleep because I'm not. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm no. like, all right, buddy, I'll stay up as long as you want me to.
0: Now, this was a, that's an epic period in the life of Father John H. Tetlow. And his positions at the diocesan level turned to a position as the pastor. It was his first pastorate at Santa Maria del Mar in Flagler Beach, and he had an epic encounter out there in Flagler County with two people that are sitting at this table right now, and Ryan Delacross and myself, you know what was that experience like? You were coming to the end of your vocations work in the diocese, and we were your last
2: vocations as a, as a vocations director and taking that pastor. Well, I mean, from my understanding, basically, della career, della cross, della career, della cross ended your career as a vac- vocation director.
0: I've been calling you that for right. years. Yeah, I, I mean, you a experienced a della crisis, like, della crisis.
1: Well,
3: camel's back. <laughs> just to say, you you overlapped three years. You were. Father Pagano was my youth minister, um, who would come to me. And we had a four-hour conversation when we first met. He had had a major conversion in his in his life at the age of twenty years old, and um, I immediately we talked for four hours. And I'm like, "This is the young man that's supposed to be my youth director." So um, I asked him if he could do it, and he says, "Yeah, I'll do it." And he did a very he was a great youth minister. But we had a three year three year overlap. So you got some you got to meet all the seminarians because they'd come down there for barbecues mm-hmm. and and then um and then a few years later you said to me, I think I'm I'm getting ready to go in. So mm-hmm. I still consider that one of my vocations mm-hmm. because sure. of the, the thing. And then Ryan, I had known Ryan for a very long time, and and Ryan Gabe was in the seminary for a few years, and sometimes Men go in and they they feel like they're being called and they discern out because they feel like that's not for them or they get kicked. But you out. gave it. I mean. But you gave it a really good, worthy, yeah, I'll, two-year I'll, period.
1: Yeah, I'll never forget. Like I, there was a time where I didn't call him for a little while because I was kind of hesitant because <laughs> you know you got to break some of your life down. There's complications and I was kind of stalling and I called my mom and I said, "Mom, you know," I she said, "Well, what's going on? You call Father Tetlow?" And I said, "No, I haven't called him." I'm you know, if you got men meaning to, and then she's just like, there's like his pause. She goes, Ryan, you call him right now. You go to the seminary right now. She's like, there is no waiting. There's no yeah. nothing. You do yeah. it now. You feel called. You do it now. And I was like, all right, hung up the phone, went to the laundromat, put a load in. And I called Father Tetler. He goes, you ready? That's what he said. He's like, you ready? And I was like. How did you know?
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a little while, but they yeah. you, they come around. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my fondest experiences, well, obviously many with you guys out at um, uh, in Flagler Beach, but uh, one of them was I, I think it was it might have been just me and you. I don't know if you were with us, but in the morning we went into the church and then there, you know, I just saw you ministering to everybody there and, and sitting down and talking to some ladies and getting things lined up. Then we went to Chinakalo Then we went to a, a family's house that was suffering from different things and, and, uh, in their dynamic. And then we, we went out to eat with another family and then we went back to the house and, you know, there's that couch right there. I was yeah. like, I was like, you yeah, know, I'm gonna crash. That on That big the couch. blue leather couch, yeah, man. It's yeah. just completely disgusting. I crashed disgusting. on
0: that leather couch. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it was all
1: beat up. It was all beat up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you haven't really made a step up at the cathedral. <laughs> <it doesn't. laughs> I
3: don't
0: know what happened to that blue couch. Yeah, you still have a beat up. You still have a beat up uh, couch. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's beat it's up better. couches
3: are better. They're you know they're 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 more comfortable.
1: They're contoured. It's better. But one of the things that I really took from that, and you know, as a uh, somebody discerning the priesthood, you you want to know what it's like to be a priest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you go to, you go, you study all you want. You can go on your pastoral year all you want and do this and do that. But like just watching you doing a whole day and then coming back and then going and laying down in your bed, I, you know, you're just like, I'm going to bed. And, you know, you went and lay down and you he said, Hey Ryan, you know, can you imagine me having a wife right now? Like I can't, I just can't even, I can't even, I can't. She'd be can't. giving
3: me such a hard time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then I just, I knew what it was like to give your life to God. Yeah, really to empty yourself out. To empty yourself out. Leave
2: it all in the field, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you're right. I think that's a really good point is that, I mean, that is one of the reasons that, you know, priests do have this this, uh, calling to celibacy is you can't really serve two masters, right? Right. You're either serving God fully or you should be serving your family fully, which is a different way of serving God fully. And if you split that and bifurcate that, you're giving... You're not giving a hundred percent to either, right? You know, well,
1: you're you're also giving yourself over to God to use That's right. in His church, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, so 100%, you're, you're making yourself a hundred percent available. Right. And we had a we had a married priest on our um our talk show when we were in Houston, Father Justin Fletcher, and he he was came over through the Anglican right, and like I mean, he literally just said it, like you know, we don't we don't have those hours, mm-hmm. you know, like we we've got families and and right. the bishops. Conscientious of that, and you know, and he respects the. Un- I think he sees the need for a priest to be able
2: to be available. He's all a married the time. priest, and he doesn't recommend that there should be married priests. That was well, uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, priests, that's what he—that's that's what he straight up said. essentially but said. But married yeah.
3: priests actually have like a—they—they—they they, they serve. It's not an unlimited serving. They—they they basically they have hours, they have hours basically, yeah. because I'm the head of the diaconate program in this diocese, and we just
0: ordained. How seven many men. jobs do they give you? This, when you're gifted, I mean, look at this guy. I mean, he's got oh, so many You got to take whatever away, the Lord man.
3: wants you to take. But they are riding this horse, man. I, love, I love working <laughs> with the deacons because you're not just working with the deacons, you're working with the deacons' wives because yes. it's very, very important for those uh. of you that want to be deacons that your wife agrees with it <laughs> and that the two of you do it together.
0: <laughs> he's fishing so, out confetti from his cup right now. Did it go in your cup? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I wouldn't— But, I
3: mean, that's— But that's also the deacons are basically called to give 20 hours a week. Mm -hmm. It's not an unlimited source because you've got to be there for your family. And we always say your family comes first.
0: I I still remember, you know, being maybe two years or so into the priesthood and just really, you know, challenged with this, you know, constant thought of, like, are you really going to live the rest of your life? Like, the devil was just— Kicking my butt. You're like gonna spend the rest of your night you in your, your bedroom the best. It's fantastic! Sitting on the couch eating it's the colour. It's great! Bed. What about Sister Incarnacion? But Sister Incarnacion, I know. I bring her toast at night. Sitting there eating the chips alone. But, you know, like I, you know, I was I was really sure, And a lot of a lot of respect goes goes across the table to Father Tetlow because, you know, he walked with me from the time I was a youth director all the way up to this present day. And and I think everybody knows that, that I, I really respect and appreciate you. And I give you a hard time, too. But I, I really respect, and, <laughs> and, appreciate I respect and appreciate
3: you. And I respect and appreciate
1: you, too. Right?
0: But, you know, I, I'll never forget this experience. I'm sitting in this counseling session with this with this person, and their life is a wreck. And normally, whenever I have somebody that's in front of me, you, like, the person has 100% of my attention. So I'm locked in, and I'm giving that person 100% of my attention. And as I'm sinking into what she's suffering with, I hear this voice, like, and God's saying to my heart, you know, Richard, could you imagine if you had a wife and you had seven children at home, and your teenagers are in Flagler Beach, and one of them's hooked on heroin, and they're running around, they haven't been home for three days? And your wife is blaming you because you're never home, mm-hmm. and she's holding a baby, and the the littlest one, and, she, and the baby's crying, and and I'm constantly being called out seven days a week in the dynamics of my priesthood, and I'm and he like God in His way, He just kind of runs like all of the dynamics in front of me, and and I'm not listening, I can't I can't hear the person speaking, and then you know, God asked me directly, He was like. Would you be present to my daughter that's in front of you right now, yeah, in the way that your presence are? And it was just, it was exactly, yeah. it was exactly that, and and it just silenced me, and it gave me another step into celibacy and what Christ's celibacy Absolutely. really is. Because in respect to vocations, if you're called to be a priest, if you're called to be married, you're called to crucified love. You're called to sacrifice. Right. It's a self-denying love. If if husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loves the church that's crucified love. Mm-hmm. So in in the respect to the priesthood, it's crucified love. Like I have to die to myself and my priesthood to enter into somebody else's suffering and love and pursue and support. Mm-hmm. And and that's the joy of vocation because God has meaning associated with our suffering as we are loving and proceeding to love. In, in respective vocations, but they are yeah. ex- they are exclusive to one another. Yeah. Plus, the big benefit out of all that is you don't have a kid that's hooked on heroin. Yeah, But right. thank God. Yeah. And, and if, I grew, if I would have if I would have brought him up in Flagler, you know, at <laughs> the probably, time, it probably wouldn't have <laughs> happened because a lot of my friends that were hanging out around there, that was the that was the uh, choice of drug at the time.
3: Yeah.
1: Wow. You know, and
0: it, and it's just real. You know, it's just
2: being uh, real. And and my yeah, we all have it. We yeah, I, yeah. it's in my family. I've got I've got a lot of yeah. We you know, all and we all have it. Yeah. I think I just swallowed a. Confetti piece. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did.
3: You know what it's gonna do? It's gonna land in the back of your throat and just drive you crazy. No, <laughs> well. I'll poop
2: it out. <laughs> I'm It'll off. be the most celebratory poop I've had in a while. <laughs> Come
0: on. Is that a fruity pebble? Oh no, that's a confetti. That's confetti. Are we gonna edit that out there? No, no, no I was gonna no, no, say no, no. <laughs> it. Yes. Got, like, well, I've got like. This is more many. fun
3: than I've be, even thought of. Yeah, yeah, man,
0: this is what it's about. From the time that we were together in Flagler Beach, you know, I was definitely inspired by your priesthood as well. You know, Ryan was saying, you know, just sharing that experience of seeing your priesthood firsthand. I I had so many occasions as well. And that started to really plant, you know, incredible vocational insights and 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 things that really came about in, in my journey, like. I, I really started to materialize what priesthood was for the first time in my life. As a gro- you know as a cradle Catholic, you kind of see the priest as somebody that's distant. and, and like, you know, I really don't uh, know what a, a priest does. They just like they go up there and do that thing on Sunday. That's it. And I just kind of move on with the rest of my life. But actually shadowing you for a couple of years in the parish and seeing what the priesthood was, it was one of the most attractive things that I've ever seen in my but, life. But
1: but he uh, you know to credit him like out of all the priests that I knew he was like almost matter of fact like hey I'm going to go do this you want to come along.
0: Yeah. It you was just I mean? saying, yeah, yeah, it, it was,
1: was like I mean, like, what priests do that? Yeah. You know and, what I mean? and not a lot
0: of priests do that. Like, and no. even in my own priesthood, and, and you know, I, it's like, it's challenging.
2: Yeah. Well, well, you're OCD. Well, let's be honest. You are no Mike Schmitz, and yeah. You, yeah. Are no no you are yeah. no John Taylor. You yeah. are no John H. Tebow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's very clear
1: demarcation. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. like, no, if you sit in my chair, you might stink it up, and then I might have to <gasps> roll my windows I don't down. Know. dude, when I, I, I come back the car, to the rectory and the door is wide open in the middle of the summer, that was the, the pest control guy. I don't care if it's the pest
0: control guy or not. I'm at meetings. Close the door. You could call me OCD. I'm you just dude, saying. Dude,
2: dude, you are OCD. Dude, you shower for like two hours I anymore. know. I'm
0: calculating how many confetti is on the table right now on the floor. I'm going to clean it
2: up later. <laughs> so,
0: But, you know, clearly for, for the experience that I had as a young person, Brian had, it was very formative to see what, a priest actually is, and what the function of the priesthood in the world, you know, what it does. And, you know, from then, from Santa Maria del Mar as a pastor, you came to take on a parish that was really in disrepair in many respects. You brought it back to life at San Juan del Rio and brought it to the most flur- one of the most flourishing parishes in the diocese and, you know, built a beautiful evangelization center with a gymnasium right next to the retreat center and developed great family dynamics within your parish and ministered to so many families and young people, largest CCD program, faith formation program for the kids, and just had a... A successful stint uh, and and came to kind of a time where you had an option to, hey, do I want to stay here at this unbelievable parish that I've kind of rebuilt from the ground up and just kind of spend the next five years and then retire? Or do I want to open myself up to
2: God and say, Lord, what do you want for me? Yeah, he could have <laughs> pulled, pulled the LeBron, went to L.A., have an easy situation, yeah. just sit back and wait <laughs> for retirement. Lord, that's and what he did. That's that exactly yeah. what Lebron <laughs> did. He's just dribbling out the clock on his career in a it's comfy a great place. great point. <laughs> just know? getting his points so then he could get to number one. Yeah, like it's a comfy thing. There's no challenge here. Yeah, I, could, I could average 18 and beat Kareem. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. No, he goes back. He does, you know, he goes like Michael Jordan. He goes to the Wizards. Dude. Yes. I'm going to rebuild
0: something else. Yeah. Dude, I totally, totally love that analogy. And it's absolutely true. He opened himself up like Michael Jordan to go to the Wizards and and rebuild a different community. Yeah, and taking
2: a challenge and not
0: just riding out in the sunset, you yeah. know? and mm-hmm. um, What's you that challenge? You guys know he's here. He can talk about it. Really? Yeah. What was the challenge that you took on? Well, I, I
3: love what you both just said because it's very true. I, I was um I was given a third term at San Juan del Rio and, and which would have taken me all the way till I was seventy-five years old. And you don't always get there, but I was given it it was given it given to me and it was during COVID and because I was not gonna leave during COVID and so the, the bishop gave me a third term. But then this this invitation came to go to the cathedral and um it was a—I I didn't think about it much because I've always believed that you have to keep growing, that you're never finished, that God ha- always has another plan for you, and He likes to take you into, um, you know, unfamiliar places and teach you in that way. Mm. So I, I felt called to, to go to the cathedral, and— um and so I was given a, you know, I was given a term that would take me all the way to retirement. Mm. You know, um, I've never been that kind of person that just wants to, like, you just, you know, ride the wave. You know, I want to I get out there and cont- do something different. What I've realized being—I've been there for a year now at the end of this month. What I realized is that everything I have learned thus far, my youth ministry experience, vocations, my other parishes— um, all the people I've met, my experiences, have been honed to to this last um, experience I will have, to this last assignment, mm. and everything I am is being will be poured into that. Mm. And uh, so I'm just very, I just, I'm very, very thankful that I they've trusted me enough at my age, because normally, you know, at 67 years old, you're not given a, a new assignment like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was blessed and because I because the lord wanted it to happen and um and so I feel renewed mm. renewed and refreshed and feel like a different person mm-hmm. and I've got a lot of new
2: energy and you know I isn't that good advice you know taking on mm-hmm. challenges and never just resting and yeah. and and letting God take you there and how like you were telling me how you do feel renewed you yeah. know, that's you know how many people are feeling completely spent by the time they're 30 mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, but you know you kind of, Having the option to have just ride it out and, and do nothing, but instead taking a new challenge, being renewed at, and as you told me this is the first parish. This mm-hmm. is that you know the first parish in the country. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and it's wonderful. It's,
3: it's not my parishioners are wonderful, but the the people that visit there from all over the world. I mean, it really brings people from everywhere. They're so excited to be in the cathedral. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll run up after if you have the mass, they'll they'll come running up to you when you sign my bulletin. You know, when you bless my medals, you know, my scapula, will you, will you, my daughter's getting married. Could you say a blessing? My daughter's pregnant. Can you pray mm-hmm. over? I mean, 30 minutes after mass mm-hmm. every week. Amen. You're doing ministry, you're evangelizing, oh, yeah, you're awesome. sending people mm-hmm. forth. Mm-hmm. And it's a one, that's one of my favorite experiences. Yeah, yeah. It's not just my, but my associates love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we just enjoy it.
0: And, you know, the experience of all of these people that you met, I mean, what a beautiful explanation of like this whole journey goes into this next opportunity to give. Yeah. To, to live a life of being, you know, outpouring all of your gifts into this community that God's put into your, into your stewardship and your care. And, you know, I can't imagine a better priest taking that position. Yeah.
1: yeah and, and one of the the cool things I've, that I've, developed to appreciate with you, Father Tetlow, is like, <clears throat> your the way you see life is is like this adventure, you know? Every day is like an adventure to you, yeah. and you're wide open, and your your antlers are up, and you're looking for God, and uh, <clears throat> it's something that I've kind of incorporated into my life since meeting him.
0: You know, Father Tetlow taking the position of the Cathedral Rector is a position that is designated and delegated by the bishop himself. And it's a it's a huge role of responsibility. And you know, down to the very function of a cathedral within a diocese, it's an example to all of the other churches. And the church that you see images of on your screen. Uh, you know, this is the Cathedral Basilica of St. Augustine, and he is the rector of the first parish in the United States of America, the greatest historical residences of our heritage that go back to Spain, Catholic Spain, and where Catholicism first breached into the United States of America and was very, very fruitful. And, you know, based on the Spanish colonial architecture and the mission style church, we have such an amazing heritage and lineage of pastors that precede you. And you are a part of that history. What does that mean to you being a part of the history of such a great legacy? And Mm -hmm. what's the hope for you and and the contribution of your legacy that you're going to leave in St. Augustine?
3: Well, last Christmas, there was, this really came to the forefront because the people, the um, the people that, that work in the offices in the parish, um, gave me a gave me a gift, and also they gave Father Mac and Father Matt a gift, and it was a it was a a calligraphy um, a calligraphy of all the names of the pastors who had gone before um, before us since the beginning of the cathedral. Wow, and. It just took up half the page, because mm. really, um, maybe there there was probably 40, mm. but still not a lot, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. But to see myself on that list, um, for all of us to see ourselves on that list, um, really brought to the forefront, you know, what an important and beautiful situation it is to be down there. Um, but especially... Um, And it was a move. It was a very moving time for me. I mean, you were down there, you you were having a gathering for your parish at one of the at that um, restaurant. And I showed it to you. And it really meant a lot to me. And I've got it hanging on my wall. But to know that I'm in that line, Mm -hmm. you know, of pastors dating all the way back, you know, who went through so much more than I will ever go through you know to, to deal with it i mean you stand know stand on they, the
0: shoulders of giants
3: yes to do what they did yeah um so i just feel honored i feel very honored i know that i'm i'm giving it 100% um and i'm i don't, believe me i don't take it for granted i feel honored that i'm down there mm. so um, that's how i feel about it and it's it's been a year i can't believe it's been a year but um it's the first year and i know it's just going to continue to grow
0: well, we, we are honored to have you on this show to share a little bit of the testimony of your journey of priesthood and how much influence you have had in the church. There are so many brothers that I know of that have come up through the ranks of the seminary who are now exercising their priesthood that owe a lot to you. And, you know, your example of joyful witness and and keeping it light and 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 finding a way to look at the bright side of things and looking at things so optimistically i know for myself as someone who may have ocd tendencies and and may uh, may, may. may uh, you know to have somebody like you in my life that kind of really counters a lot of that is is a great gift and and you know on behalf of all of the people that you have inspired in the many parishes parishioners families vocations and youth Thank you. God bless you and your priesthood and ad sanos God yeah. bless you. And let's go. Let's go mess his kitchen up.
3: Amen. <laughs> Whoa!
1: That must protect him. I must protect Stop. him. Stop. That's our last
0: show. Let's get that We're wrapping wrap the show. No, Can't the show.